I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. What's up, everybody? It's Joe LaPuma. You are listening to the Complex Sneakers Podcast. As always, I am with my guys. First off, Mr. Matt Wealthy. What is that? Are you drinking coffee? It's a little early. Yeah, bright-eyed and bushy-tailed, as yeah. they would say this morning. And of course, my man, Mr. Brendan Dunn. How we doing? I feel good. I got my Yeezy slides on. It's a quiet morning. The snow is falling. It's a new day in America. It is a new day. And it's an early day for us. We usually record in the afternoon. We're up very, very early. Not that early, but pretty early because uh, we got a big <laughs> we got a big episode today. It's gonna be a big day. I feel good. I had I already had the iced coffee with the espresso. That's why How I'm many, talking. Joe? About. The one, just one single. Just one for now. I got another one on deck after the podcast. But a venti? Is it a venti? We do coffee bean. Okay. Coffee bean in L.A. I go to the coffee bean. That's my spot. Uh-huh. And there's do one. Do they spell Brooklyn. your name right on the cup? Just they do. Joel. Joel. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No. Joel. You know what's funny is that um, my old complex email used to be Joel at complex. So people used to email hello Joel. Like J O E L, Joel Ortiz. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Monk coffee. Monk coffee. That ad lib was the best. That ad lib. Shout out to Slaughterhouse. Well, too. How many? How many coffees deep are you? I'm on coffee number two. What? Two already? Mm-hmm. What do you What's make? What's the mug the, say? He, yeah. He, what does he, the mug say? I think my mug. my mom uh, gave me this. It says relax, which is. It, it looks like it says something else on there. It's like one of those. It's like one of those live, laugh, love uh, <laughs> situations. Really motivational. Well, it's good advice. So, you know, sometimes uh, you're you're a lot more relaxed though than you're a lot more relaxed lately. But uh, we all are. It's one of it's one of those mornings where you got the workout in, but then you kind of didn't. You, it's so early that you didn't space out how much time it takes your body to stop sweating post workout, and you're like. I'm done working out, but I'm sitting here. Like, why am I heating up? This is super generous because you said you got the workout at Wealthy. I don't think Joe or I did any working out no. this morning. This is all you, baby. <laughs> this is all you are the fitness guru of the podcast. I will tell you, though, last week I walked up 12 flights of stairs two <laughs> nights in a row. It's very tough. It's very tough. I, I love this. You in the penthouse suite or something? I woke up. My legs are killing me. Where were you saying that you had to... No, in my apartment... The calf guard was feeling shaky? How is that possible? (laughs) Let me tell you, in my apartment... (laughs) 
the, the calves failed me a little bit. I woke that's, up that's gotta be so, the first time that's ever happened. I woke up so sore. If you're listening, go to Joe's IG and, and take a look at his calves real quick and then tap back into the conversation. Sorry to interrupt, Joe. <laughs> I put the Nike, like the Nike dry fit jacket on, and I said, mm-hmm. I'm gonna walk to get some cardio. You know, I am not good at working out. I'm not like this guy to my right in the Zoom who the far right, not not immediate, right? No shots done. You know, I put the dry fit on and I was like, I'm going to walk from my floor to the roof. And I almost didn't make it. I almost didn't make it. Walking upstairs, <laughs> someone was like, oh, you should run up the stairs. I said, run up the stairs. I barely made it walking. It was a good workout, but I had to take, I, I did it for two days and then I had to take like four days off because I'm sore. So I'm glad get- we're having this conversation because I remember Welty trying to make fun of me a few weeks back for complaining about carrying all those sneaker of the year oh, yeah. book boxes up and down my stairs go buy a copy if you haven't yet we're gonna get mm-hmm. some more signed ones at the door soon. something something i want to ask you joe who do you think does the whole nike dry fit aesthetic better you or drake i don't know but I, that's good company to that's good company to be and i'm not gonna comment also, on that. You, I, I would say there's some sort of similarities not like you're dressing like him or he's dressing like you or whatever but well D, i don't think we dress alike though i think th- i think the dry fit Sometimes, but in general, you don't think we there's do. There's a lot of there's a lot of Nike track suits in your in your rotation, right? That's fa- that's fair to say. That's fair to say. But I don't think in in general we we have similar style. I like the knock the um tr- the track suits. Did anyone get them? Did you see the new drop from yesterday? Kind of want the mock neck, man. See, I don't know if I can walk around wearing a piece of Drake clothing, but I I, I really like. I feel that stuff. I feel the same the same way. The yellow and black is fire, though. Did you mm-hmm. see the yellow and black suit? Mm-hmm. No, wealthy. Not a Drake hater, but just like I don't feel moved enough to buy his his clothing. I don't know. It, it, me and Brendan had this talk too. It's kind of weird sometimes to buy like a jacket that's a sportswear brand because yes. it it doesn't give you as much versatile options to wear it with the footwear. Yeah, I still say this. Un, no bias aside, the Kith Run set. Do you did you ever see no, that? I remember. Yeah, yeah, I know. I've seen you wear it many. I've seen you wear it many times. Joe. Okay, so Dave, so Dave Matthews, super producer Dave Matthews, who's on the Zoom, will tell you um, that's all I fly in for the past four years. And to me, the Kith Run Set Dry mm-hmm. Fit to me is the best Nike suit that's come out in the past four years. It's it's like, and it was like a limited midnight drop. But I trapped that's which you all did, which I wear. you didn't have to queue up for, which you didn't have to pay for any any of that sort of stuff. Yeah, uh, he Ronnie sends you guys stuff too, so I don't want to hear it. All right. <laughs> one one jacket I think we should talk about and not go too far into detail just to know that our uh, expenses are a little different at the inauguration. Oh no, man, we Joe, talk Joe about hits this. us up over Joe hits us up over the weekend mm-hmm. and he bought a jacket from a former guest on the show. You can either yes. leave that in or cut it out. No, it was uh, a bold, what are we talking it, about? It was done. He doesn't pay attention to text. This, so this Joe Joe about? Joe buys it a cold wall jacket. Yes. Shout, out, shout, I, shout out shout out. Samuel Ross yes. and he hits us on the on the group text and he's like, "You guys ever buy a jacket and not look at the price and then be like, damn, I just spent eight hundred dollars.'" I'm like, yeah. "Nope, can't relate, Joe." <laughs> I got caught. So I, 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 you know, I went to Ama Minier. We shot a couple episodes of the new season in Atlanta, and they had this a cold wall jacket that is fire. It's yes. like really, really good. So uh, I went there and I bought it. I went to the register and I just was a little. And by a little, I mean shocked at the price, and I wasn't going to put it back. But it it was funny because you know you don't <laughs> you don't want to be like oh no I have right. to take it back. But right. it was an expensive jacket. But I will tell you, I'm going to wear it nonstop and get my 
I'm going to see, I always say wear it nonstop. The YouTube comments say, I did the rotation. I kept saying, yeah, okay. oh, I've been wearing these nonstop. All the comments. How many shoes does Joe wear nonstop? Give me a break. Come on. <laughs> but yeah, the jacket. The so jacket so like Drake in so many ways. <laughs> the, <laughs> exactly. The nonstop pun. But uh, yeah, that jacket. I got to get my I got to get my money's worth out of it. So it's a dope jacket, but I was definitely caught off guard. I know what you mean, Joe, in terms of getting your money's worth with a good jacket. It, it, it's really important you just get the one high engagement Instagram photo with that jacket. Because I got a jacket right now that I broke out last weekend, and I got some photos of me yeah. inside jacket, but I'm not really sure that they're the right photos. And, and just trying to judge where the engagement at it is going to be. You know what mm -hmm. I mean? It's, it, mm -hmm. Like we said, it's a big time for jackets. Kamala stepping out in the Pierre Moss joint for the yes. inauguration. So I'm trying to get on that level with this jacket. Oh, now, yeah, you're trying to get on that level? Okay. I might have to call complex staff photographer David Cabrera for a little photo shoot or something. Yeah. The, the the guest who I was one of the guests who I was with in Atlanta. I love that he kept saying like, you know, I go I go and I go vintage Nike shopping, and he's like, you know, uh, a lot of them fall apart. But if I could get that one wear off on the gram, it, it, like uh, it's a thing Money for me. Bank. And like you know, he would wear them more. He would want to wear them more. But he's like, if I get that one Instagram post off and and they fall apart, hey, it, it could be worse. But I'm trying, hopefully. You know the other thing that came up. PG knows came up in an episode. I don't know if it's going to make it, but I'm, every... yeah. But but he came up on video this time, and I don't oh. I don't know if it's it may get cut, but I'm going to social cut and send it to him. He came up in a in a previous episode behind the scenes that uh, that I don't know if you guys know about. For me, it, yeah, for you, it was the Tyra Banks episode. Um, where you guys talk about the PlayStation Air Force Ones. Okay. And I remember, like, you wanted to talk about it on the show, and I guess Flight Club didn't have the shoes at, at the time, and it was his, and then I I had told you, and this is, this is, this is before you knew him. Okay, he was ahead, tell this. This he, is a great and, story. And this he was is a great story. And he was complaining to me about Flight, because he wanted X amount of dollars for the shoes to be in, in the shoe, and he was... So, so PG wanted correctly. to rent his shoes to sneaker shopping production, is that right? Great story, Welty. This is a, so Tyra Banks I had on the show. Stadium Goods didn't have a PlayStation Air Force One, and Tyra Banks had the whole Chris Vidal moment yeah. in uh, daytime television where he basically showed off the PlayStation Air Force One. And for the episode with Tyra Banks, we wanted her to hold the PlayStation Air Force One. We and I don't think Stadium Goods they rent, they sold out their their last one, or it's so rare they didn't have yeah. it. So we were looking to get the PlayStation Air Force One to set, and Welty was like, "Oh, I think I know some guy." But they want money to use it. I was like, they want money to use it for forty five minutes, like for. And and I remember I was like, the like rent it for for a, a shoot. It makes sense though because if you're, so. if, if you're a sneaker reseller, it's not like your name is going to be attached to that shoe that's on camera. So. What are you doing taking like a couple – like it's 45 minutes, but you have to drive there. You have to right. come back. We like, would have sent the Uber pool for PG but, Nose. No, but like what, what, are, what are you getting What are you getting out of the situation by having your shoe included in the shoe? No one knows. You know what I mean? Fair. I, was, I remember that day in the office. I, was, I probably said like F that. We're not buying. Yeah. However, now – 
PG Nose, I think, would PG Nose would would come. He would hand deliver the PlayStation <laughs> Air Force One. We would go grab some kebabs after the shoot. That's how close yeah. we are right now. And PG Nose, I'm hoping I'm going to see him in the next two days because he's got something for you. Oh, there's a shoe that I've been trying to chase down. Is it the one it, we spoke about on here before? We're getting closer to it. Busy P. Yes, we are getting closer to it. Someone's holding out, but getting back to the episode. PG Nose gets a, a really good shout out because uh, someone's trying to buy the Scars pizza and PG Nose is, is negotiating. <laughs> he's, a hoarding, tough, he's hoarding like yeah, 20 pairs. Tough. Oh my God. Just for the sake of argument, if you're renting your shoes out, how much are you asking for for someone to use your shoes for how 45 much did he minutes? Ask? I think it was like something like 500 bucks. That is wild. PG's <laughs> wild for that. I'm sorry. We're, we're old friends at this point. 500? Done? Come on. $500? To, to, be, to be fair, though, oh. if you didn't know the person and you heard that there was going to be like this big show that wants to rent your stuff, wouldn't you kind of go with the head crack? Hmm. <sighs> I don't know, Wealthy. Me, me, Wealthy, you're a good friend. You're a but good where friend. Else to you him and you were, where else are you going to get it from? Wealthy, you couldn't vouch for you couldn't vouch for your boy. You're close friends with PG. You're close friends with me. No, I didn't he's know about it till after the fact. I didn't yeah, know he was probably trying to give already. you two fifty. Don't lie for some Jersey City dinner. Don't <laughs> lie. You, That's the one whole... for me. Yeah, one for you. One two for me. <laughs> <laughs> Do we have any sneaker news? Nah, you can find the sneaker news on complex.com slash sneakers, yeah, Soul Collector, Soul Collector app, everything. Always. Download that, you know. Oh, by it's the no- way, speaking of downloads, we appreciate you downloading and listening to these. Uh, please do, as you listen to the episode, rate, subscribe, comment, and things like that really help us out. We're trying to take it to the next level. Absolutely, and I, I read them all. I saw that we got some more comments on the Apple podcast. Just let, just to let you guys know, we read them all. We appreciate it. Rate, subscribe. Yeah. Leave a comment and not as a thank you, but next week, next week we have something special planned. We have a live stream. That's right. Everyone wants video of the three of us. We've only been teasing the social clips with, with the Zoom video. Uh-huh. We are having a live stream and we are going to talk about the Complex Sneaker of the Year book. Some of you are getting them. Some of you are getting the signed copies. We're very happy mm-hmm. to see that. But we are going to dissect some of the chapters and we're going to talk about what went into the making of the book. Also, shout out. It's going to be us three talking about it, but so many other people worked on the uh, book. Of course. We are internally thankful. Internally. Internally. That's the, eternally. Yes, exactly. See? Thankful. Yes. For everyone who worked on the book. But yeah, live stream. Us three may be together. We may be distanced. And uh, we're hoping to be together in the same room. It'll be good to see these guys two times in, in three weeks. So might be, might be time to bring out the cold wall jacket, Joe. Yeah, maybe, maybe you gotta and listen. You gotta you gotta you gotta live up to the fit that you wore to the office last time. So <laughs> I got my assistant uh, planning things. I had a realization uh, the other day thinking about when we were in the office and sort of. It made me think that when we were there, the office kind mm-hmm. of felt like it was like an abandoned building to, mm-hmm. to some extent, you know, like it really felt like, I mean, because that's what did happen. Like some event happened and then everyone disappeared for, you know, a, a long time. It felt like some like a post-apocalyptic, like everything's yeah. like frozen in time. And then you go back and you're like, not that it was there, but you'd expect like someone's like half drinking cup of coffee to still be on their desk from like from months ago which is crazy it is it is crazy and no one knew that we would be out for this long but just the routine just getting on the block and and it takes you back like wow this feels like a regular work day and getting the uh, coffee from the little cart right Joe? yes yes cannot cannot wait one day when we're back i miss that office i miss everyone so uh 
All right, guys, let's not waste any more time. We have a very special guest today. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Our guest on today's podcast has worn many hats in street culture, artist, fashion designer, media mogul, author, and entrepreneur. In 1993, he started a clothing label that would help define modern-day streetwear and act as a source of inspiration for prevalent clothing brands that exist today. In 2002, he ventured into the magazine business with an idea that focused on convergence culture in fashion, sports, sneakers, and popular culture. It was a magazine with a flip cover of male and female talent on each issue. Sound familiar? He called it Complex. For the next decade and a half, he would run one of the most successful clothing lines in youth culture while helping turn Complex into a full-fledged media company. In 2011, he added author to his resume by releasing his autobiographical book called Unlabel, Selling You Without Selling Out. Acting as chief brand and creative officer of Complex in 2016, he conceptualized a two-day convention that took everything that the rabid youth audience was consuming online into a real-life experience. You may know it as ComplexCon. Currently, he serves as the chief strategy and creative officer of the XQ Institute. Although we can't rattle off everything on his resume, we're excited to talk about his long journey in this industry. Please welcome to the Complex Sneakers podcast, our friend, Mark Echo. Wow. That's a great, I need to, can I get, keep, for, can I'll send it to you. I'll text it to you. I'll clip it out. How you doing? I'm so happy to, I'm so happy that you're joining Mark. It's been too long to see, you know, we FaceTime every now and now and then, but I'm so happy that uh, me and, and the guys have an opportunity to chop well, it up with you. Good to see you gentlemen and uh, everybody working on this, this podcast, Jasmine, mm-hmm. behind the scenes, David, yep. Brendan, Matt, look at you. It's, al- it's always a pleasure to Look see Mark Echo. Strongest jawline in the streetwear game that ever existed. Yeah, one of the great, you know, it's a good one. <laughs> <laughs> Mark, can you take us back for a second? Can we start back in the 1980s growing up in New Jersey and, and, and what you were seeing in terms of sneakers back then? Were sneakers important to you as a young guy in high school? Oh, my goodness, yes. I mean, they were... They were... Um, they probably drove... <clears throat> my interest uh, in, you know, style. Mm-hmm. Um, 
you know, when there was a line historically, probably, probably in probably right before the original Air Force One was released in terms of at least basketball, where, you know, it's just the, the basketball shoe was looked at as, as like a sporting good, you know, mm -hmm. as like a sporting good accessory. Like it was a on-court only thing. You know, all the, the sort of rising hero worship that was happening in the NBA and its influence on popular culture was really was starting to really come through in the 80s. So, you know, that was sort of a, a very natural bridge uh, to the curiosity. And um, I just remember, you know, watching the dynamism uh, of uh, all of these, you know, this sort of cold wars between Nike and, mm. and Adidas and, and Converse and all these brands trying to, you know, win hearts and minds uh, around, you know, basketball shoes, effectively. It's funny, you go back and you look at the names of the shoes. They were all yeah. so, you know, really was the Cold War. It was the like, weapons. You know, yeah. weapons, Air Force, you know, uh, that, that was where it all started for me. Obviously, the shell toe Adidas and, you know, the pro model. I like the mid with the Velcro strap. You know, that was my joint. You know, and I remember identifying, obviously, with, uh, with graffiti. Yeah. And that was sort of a gateway for me into art. Like, I was able to, not being an athletic kid, my sort, I, I was into the extreme sport of art, you know, and, and graffiti was the way to kind of say, well, I'm an emo kid, I'm an emotional, creative kid and identify with this rising new cultural tide. And the way B-boys were illustrated, always were like with chunky feet, mm -hmm. you know? It was like, mm -hmm. you drew them almost narrow, like a, like a pyramid, like a triangle, you know? Mm -hmm. So they, the body form would get broader towards the feet. Any shoe that had gave you that, that look uh, was the shoe that you were drawn to. And what were you wearing? Was it one pair that you were messing up when you were doing your art or what? Do you remember? Oh my goodness! Um, first of all, my 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 discount shoe game was strong. As okay, a, you know, like, mm -hmm. it was like that was you got to remember too. You go back to those days that were like the outlet malls were like mm -hmm. this rising new thing, you know. And when Nike, if you get to the the Nike or Adidas outlet, which were rare back then, I remember there was one in a in like a couple hours away from where I grew up and it was like a trip. You'd go there for back to school and maybe, you know, right at the, at the top of spring or, um, and you'd find the dead stocks. My purchasing was sort of through a value lens at the time. I didn't always get the aspirational, okay, <laughs> like brand new, you know, you know, in the latest colorway, um, Adidas rivalry or so I'd get maybe the slightly off color, yeah, and then mess <laughs> you know, them up. You, 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 know, you yeah. mess them up essentially. But no, I, I, you know, it wasn't even like the 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 obsession with like don't step on my shoes and don't mm. mess them up. Didn't I don't think really came until like '88. I think I recall like it, it being much more uh, taboo. You know, like you wore your shoes. You know, you wore your, your sneakers. You 1988 was that because of do the right thing specifically, or, or just? I think. Um, I don't know if it was specifically that it just, I guess maybe just the innovation and like just the role they started to take in terms of just like dominating the, 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 the uh, being a signal for, for, 
your affinity for things like you, and, and and being a signal on your body as uh, a qualifier for your sense of style things you you, you know you were really drawn to the sneakers became dominant in you know 87 88 i recall there was just so much innovation and just mm. so many options and you know your 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 closet your wardrobe was was sort of based on that not to mention like having a, a good boot game you know mm. which was you know equally as important mark you know your story is you know growing up in lakewood new jersey in yeah. your in your parents basement airbrushing t-shirts were you customizing your sneakers at all at that point? Were you ever like painting on them to like give them new colorways? Oh yeah, I'll never forget. I had, I think it was the first Andre Agassi shoe. What was the model called? Tech Challenge. Air Tech yeah. Challenge. Yeah. And I think that year correlates with um, De La Soul's first album came out. Yeah. Um, it was around roughly that same time. 89. Yeah, and or yeah, eighty eight, eighty nine. I want to say. Um, and I remember illustrating, getting paint markers, and illustrating the you know Paz and Dove and and the guys on and Mace on that were illustrated on the Three Feet High and Rising album, mm -hmm. like on my shoes, and I literally couldn't make it past like the third period of of school that day. I remember without being like threatened to have my shoes stolen but at least in time so I, I remember quickly like having to borrow someone's gym shoes and hide them uh but uh yeah i definitely was into um customizing my shoes were you ever customizing sneakers for anybody else or that was just a personal thing that was kind of a bold move because you didn't have it wasn't as common back then i mean all customization was so dominated by you know, like sweatshirts and denim jackets. And mm -hmm. for whatever reason, it was it was kind of a rare occasion. And then when I did that, I just remember it becoming like, um, you know, a thing and, and people requesting it. And I was very like, oh, I'm not the only special, you know. Like, let's first kind of like get to know each other and do like a jacket or a t-shirt or something, you know. Um, but that was like, I was really heavy into you know painting at that time heavy 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 into painting and making and and you know it was my own little lemonade stand i guess obviously you were super focused on apparel over sneakers but when you started echo when you started the brand in the early 90s was there ever any aspiration to, to work with the sneaker brand at some point or i mean the collaboration thing was so far out but but were guys on your level thinking about stuff like that back then you know uh I did. I had, I was so, uh, you know, sort of shaped for my own, the, the things, you know, I kind of, I didn't feel constrained by sort of the boundaries of, uh, and I didn't really un fully understand them, the, the boundaries or constraints that were sort of somewhat self-assigned by streetwear at the time. I, I grew up on polo and, you, you know, uh, um, Timberland and and would shop at like Dr. J's on Market Street in, in Newark or like a VIM or mm. you know like there was a place in Lakewood called Junkies like it was it was called the Family Discount Center or whatever and it was basically 
Lakewood's version of like the, the, the spot where they cellophane the shoes and they were on the wall and, you know, you get like a bomber jacket. And so I wanted to make everything that was in those that I was shopping for. You know, I didn't I didn't feel constrained. I didn't know that that, um, you know, that 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 I had a that it's like just focus on t-shirts or like you do all you do is draw so don't don't dream that big i i really i looked at polo and ralph and that was my aspiration that was you know and and i would be obsessively roaming through the pages of gq when it was good you know back in the day and uh um you you know uh uh I guess it, it I guess I shouldn't say it sounds disparaging like when it was good. But no, we got to did the competition, Mark. We got to disparage. No, 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 no. no. It, it was <laughs> you still on that point. They were just so they were so to their credit, they were the dominant player in men's style and like back in the day, you know, a magazine was this portal. You know, there was no internet, so you'd pick up those you know, everything that was crafted on those pages was so precious at the time it wasn't you know um uh it was just a, a different time but i remember just being enamored by all of that you know and i remember seeing photo shoots of ralph like in his ranch or something and just seeing the spaces you know it was like just the spaces that he was he would he would portray himself and his brand in and that sort of like creation of a universe was really dope. So obviously, um, yeah, no, no, no constraints, you know, unlimited uh, in terms of what you could, what I wanted to do. And, um, and I frankly wasn't thinking about collaborations. I was thinking about making it my, just making, figuring out how to make it myself. Mm. That sort of power of the collaboration hadn't fully certainly when I was starting hadn't fully articulated itself, you know, go back to 88, 89 when I was really coming up and then say 90 to 93 is when I was really in sort of biz dev mode, you know, kind of graduating from just this hobby into a business plan. Yeah. I, I, I would, yeah, I, I had a shoe drawn and I had like a Timberland boot like mm. rip off and the outsole of the boot, was um with the lugs when you would turn it upside down we just had ec you know ko and it was actually echo at the time yeah. okay and it was like formed like these footprints and i remember i'd make stencils you know and i would paint those stencils like wherever I, if i did like in new brunswick where i was a you know the king of the toys i talk about in terms of graffiti <laughs> uh when i was at rutgers there was um there's the uh river there um the raritan yeah and uh, where like the crew team would row and where people would jog and just walk and stroll mm -hmm. but there were some banked walls where kids mm -hmm. would write graffiti and uh i would always when i would do a piece or something down there i would you know stencil my way to and from like leaving the bread you know it's, it's so corny but <laughs> you know you talk about, you know, seeing Ralph in those photo shoots and then you in 1993 
putting together the biz dev and then you know a year later when supreme starts coming to fruition and, and is developed um how were you like managing basically what was going on in the space and pu- and not pulling from from each things but kind of playing in that space and seeing what was happening downtown new york and then having such an appreciation for ralph well i i think the dominant influencer was ralph mm-hmm. you know i remember being at my first trade show at the javits center probably around those years when Supreme was just coming up and when, you know, the Stussy Union store was Mm -hmm. sort of like the dominant area for that sort of downtown streetwear scene when, like, Patricia Fields was, you know, the place where you would get that sort of convergence of uh, skate and graffiti culture, you you know. Um, But we were all looking at polo sport. Yeah. Like, everyone had a ripoff or a send-up or vamp was vamping a, a, like a polo sport or a nautica logo. So like everybody had like the same sort of North star. Um, I don't even remember thinking about Supreme, even in my orbit creatively or as a source. I didn't, I just didn't have the literacy. Mm. You know, uh, I, I, I just kind of knew them as a, as a, a New York brand. Um, I'm one amongst the many different brands in the space. And, and, uh, so there wasn't that sort of situational awareness that I think you have in a market when, when sort of, you know, the, the, everything has, um, sort of filtered out and you, you know, who the top two or three players are. That wasn't the distance between us and them, the, them being these sort of, you know, the booths when you go to the convention center that were like two or three stories and were taking mm-hmm. up like five rows was so different, so di- so far away, so distant that I was focused on that gap. I wasn't focused on the, you know, the, the couple feet or inches away mm-hmm. from my, my, who I thought were my peers. You know, um, I focused on me versus uh, I wasn't thinking about those sort of near peers. And, and I think that was, that was kind of peculiar to, to those guys back in the day. Cause I remember getting a lot of sort of hate or, um, uh, friction from kind of settling in and feeling like a part of the group of the, of the, the guys that were coming up at that time, because I was sort of matter of fact about wanting to go big. Mm. It's just like, I'm not here to play. Like I'm here to do something really, like, you know, I want to go big. Yeah. Let's see how much, we, let's see yeah. how big the ceiling is. Yeah. And yeah. in fact, to your question about, did you th- think about making, you know, shoes? I remember my, we had um, a lot of the ways that we came up in the space, the royal we, the us of streetwear, who I really think are, we're all connected. We're all completing one another's stories in a lot of ways. Right. A lot of ways. I really believe that in order to kind of um, survive financially, we were a big part of our audience development was international. So Japan, Germany, Australia. So I had a Australian distributor who uh, I was very fond of. And uh, I told them I wanted to make shoes and I had sketches and they're pretty fairly well rendered sketches. And I'll never forget, he came to visit, uh, like, at, uh, like we had these sort of like big international sales meetings, not so big, but like it was like a hotel or something, right? Um, 
and he brought the pro the, the first sample prototype that wow. he just made it. He took my rendering. He said, you can make shoes. Mm. And he made the first prototype and he's like, let's, let's partner on this together. It was his pitch. And I didn't understand the economics of it. I didn't know what was involved in tooling a new outsole. How mm. early on was this in the echo brand? Oh, this was very early. This was probably, uh, let's say we started in 93, probably 97, 98. And so for like a year, 97, probably a year, year and a half, I would walk around with that prototype in my backpack. Okay. And when my, and I'd be with my, my peers in the business, um, I'll never forget. And you, you could, you could ask him. In fact, uh, his, there's a gentleman who was one of the founders or certainly w- one of the really important executives at a, a company that was called Mecca, right? It was like a streetwear brand. Yeah, of course. Uh, yeah. And a guy named Tony Shellman. And I forget where we were. And, I feel like it was like at a conference or something and I did a panel and it was like, and, and I pulled out the sample and they were just like, oh. it was like, you actually, you, you got a shoe made. Like it was like, you know, Pulp Fiction, like what's mm-hmm. inside the glowing mm-hmm. uh, briefcase. And um, I still contend it was a good, it was a good looking shoe. It was more of like a, a running uh, shoe and it had a very uh, peculiar last, very bubbly. Yeah, so that gave me the confidence. And we, and by the way, we tried to pursue getting it made, and we couldn't afford to. Mm. And it didn't happen. And so that that had to sort of sideline those aspirations for a few years until you know I could find partners to to really start making uh, making our own product. Mark, um, speaking of the the early days. I think a lot of people were kind of nostalgic for the early Echo ads that you had. You know, you had people oh, like Common, sure. Prodigy, Beat Nuts. I remember having an Echo Beat Nuts uh, T-shirt. Um, sure. Yeah. Were there, were, were there any memorable stories from like shooting those ads with people like uh, Prodigy oh, or Common God. back in the so day? So many great memories. My goodness, so <laughs> many great memories. Um, Prince Paul. Mm, uh, yeah. Um, did you tell him about your uh, De La Soul sneakers? No, no, no. <laughs> I did get to know him, though, years later. Um, and uh, he's an amazing guy, uh, amazingly talented, and surrounded by the like, great musical minds. Those early, early days were very just, like, ad hoc. You know, it was just like, you know, a page. That's what I was saying before about, like, you know, GQ and a magazine, you know, the source as a magazine was such a central vehicle for communicating mm-hmm. you know, to, to, to folks in the space. And there weren't really equivalents. So like, you know, media buying, media planning, designing media, um, it was so powerful. The, the sort of impact you could have back like pre the internet. And uh, there was a, a woman who worked for us, um, named Sandra Mihilenko, um, who I went to college with. And she was one of my good college, you know, mates, just a ton of fun. And she was a photographer. She studied at, I think she graduated from like their, the arts college at Rutgers, Mason Gross. And, uh, when I was starting, I, I remember we were, you know, we were just, we were just good friends. I, I remember 
trying to recruit her to do photo shoots. And it was almost like before I had production made, I was designing photo shoots. It was really like working backward mm -hmm. from the consumer perception. Like the imagery was the, the most important thing almost. It's a, that was the forcing function to figure mm -hmm. out the rest of the business. Mm -hmm. MC search uh, was a very crucial part of helping connect the dots. He came in. Um, I forgot exactly how we met or who, how the dots were connected, pitched him to help on the marketing. And he really was like a major catalyzer for, for making introductions to people. I got I got to ask, you know, just since we're on search, did you ever meet Zev Love X, MF Doom back in that day cuz they were they were connected? I met MF Doom very briefly at a concert I did in Central Park, a Save the Rhino concert, and Dela performed and he came out as a um and did his one that that one big record he had with them. The Rock Cocaine uh, Flow. Yeah. Oh, okay, but not not in the KMD days with search and all that. No, 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 gotcha, no, gotcha. no. No, 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 no. And Search was a, and still remains a really uh, an amazingly good guy with a giant heart and um, great connector and just great instincts and really saw where I was trying to push it and take it. And I would just be like, Search, I want, uh, I want to meet Q-Tip. And he just was a relentless network. He'd be like, okay, okay, we're going to make that happen. It was like, we, we, the way we would do shoots back then is like, we would just show up at their crib. You have to understand, mm. it's like with Stretch and Bobito, when, when I remember going to the shoot Stretch and Bob, and we went to, I believe it was Stretch's apartment, and it was kind of like Search would be like, yeah, I'm coming, we're going to do that, bring you some gear, and, and then we'd show up with cameras and be like, go ahead, put this shit on, let's go. We would just, you know, <laughs> <laughs> we you, would you just painted press. <laughs> you know, and they'd be like, okay. You talk about photo shoots, and let's get to 2002 which may of 2002 the premiere issue of complex and oh you have Nas and uncle junior dominic chinese dominic chinese photographed by jonathan mannon yes. and it just it, it, you still look at that image and it's to be honest it, it, it was 2002 but it's something that i think we always throw around convergence culture, but it's really, it built the DNA of complex. And it's something that we strive to do every day at work. Still talk about conceptualizing complex, talk about that first cover and it, yeah, just in general, launching this magazine, I'm sure everyone on the newsstand saw for so many years. And, and, and to this day, you see right at the top, Mark Echo's complex. So talk, let, let's get to that. It was a funny, uh, the the story of me in the photo shoots and and that sort of building with that imagery first and working your way backwards is almost the same way I started the magazine. Mm. It's almost the way same way I started pretty much everything. Like I work I work backward from like the devices that could get consensus so groups could could agree what it could be. You got to mm. get past like squinting. You know, you got to get past like. I got to get you more to watch, full eyes open to see it, and then people could believe it, right? And you know, as a as the brand was growing, I was doing lots of media buying, and obviously the role of the advertisements were a material part of the business. And um, as the business expanded, I expanded into the different arenas of different, you know, uh, uh, interest areas. And I found as a media buyer buying 
let's say I wanted to buy the vertical of men's fashion, it was a very narrow, you could go from like details on the spectrum of details to like GQ, right? Mm -hmm. You know, where it was really about like the clothing, the accessories, and not just like the, the sort of philosophy of being a man, like Esquire or something, you know, it was like details, GQ. Then in music, there was a spectrum. So in hip hop, there was, you know, double XL, the source, and you could work your way through Vibe to spin to, you know, I don't think we really ever advertised in Rolling Stone, but it was like on that spectrum of like alternative to hip hop. So, you know, and you keep going down the, 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 the supermarket aisles of magazines, you know, you know, video gaming, sports, right? It could be, you know, there was the great job that was happening at Slam in terms of that, that they mm -hmm. were, I believe, early conversion in a lot of ways, too. Mm -hmm. um convergence convergence uh all the way to let's say the hardcore you know technical x's and o's hardcore details of, of the, the 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 fandom so i just looked at that and i was like where's the magazine that sort of you put these all like mix them in a mixing bowl together what 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 could that be and I just started visualizing that for probably a two or three year period. So it wasn't like this instant control P run to the, you know, the Canon printer and it's on the mm. other side. It was a proper three, four year journey. And I first thing was to get the name. And I initially had called it climate. Okay. Um, and because uh, it was about like what's happening in mm. space and, you know, in the atmosphere, right, in culture in the climate. Uh, and I had been marketing echo dot complex, like on my, um, gear, because that was when the first dot com boom was. And obviously, you know, to be dot, have a, a dot com was a big deal, even though it was so small. So, you know, small, there's no really ways to measure like the way that you can today, that sort of feedback loop of measurement and inquiry and, and how successful like heat mapping mm -hmm. your success wasn't obvious, but nonetheless, I was heavy on the promo of that. So again, it's like working backwards from visualizing it started a per, uh, couldn't get the climate name, trademark issues, uh, we're debating names, debating names. And, uh, we, you know, in a repertoire of names, it's like, oh, wow, well, we used Echo.Complex. We used to call the South River office the, the complex, right? That was okay. the nickname for it, right? And that's where we incubated the magazine. Uh, gentleman um, by the name of Alan Kett, um, a, a graffiti, uh, like a, a gentleman who uh, uh, came from the graffiti world, but actually was a publisher himself with a magazine called Stress Magazine. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Alan was uh, an incredibly important friend and consigliare to understanding what the opportunity could be uh, in, in the publishing space. So he was heavily consulting and helping shape it. There was uh, my first real kind of business hires well before we launched the magazine. They were a boyfriend, girlfriend couple. Now they're, uh, they're just friends, obviously, and they're married with their different lives was a guy named Ben White and a woman named Tina M. And they had a platform that was called platform.network. Platform.network. And that was like radical because it was like, it's hard enough to get people to go to .com, yet alone <laughs> yeah. .net, you know? 
they were early e-commerce and they had a great sensibility of digital. There were a lot of people that came through the infrastructure and sort of helped shape and hone what this could be. And we initially, it was just a CD-ROM, mm-hmm. you know, that we would ship on the gear. Yeah. And we were promoting, sign up for your first free issue of Complex, mm-hmm. you know, send it and prepaid, you know, postage card, like as a hang tag. And every Friday, man, when, the, when we get that drop off from the P.O. box, I'm talking thousands and thousands. I mean, we must have gotten two or 300,000. I'm not even kidding addresses to help us launch so before Mm. we printed page one before we even had like a a, like we knew it was going to be on the cover we were out there prototyping and putting it out in the universe just that whole like you just put it out there man put it in in the universe and people were more patient back then too you know there was no twitter to get like housed on you know or sunned (laughs) and like shamed on um so the distance between the audience that was like in waiting like promised that thing and us being able to hear that was quite far so we had a lot of permission for uh you know a couple years so we just did you know it was a lot of heavy duty incubating and then we came to that first issue it was finally real and we really assembled uh, we, I remember we were moving our Echo offices on one location on Broadway that was much smaller. I can't remember the exact street address. I want to say it was in the 700s or something. And, and we were moving to another showroom that was like three or four floors. We were expanding. We were really committed to moving out of New Jersey. And we took the old showroom and we converted that to the, com- the first complex offices. You had said that anyone who worked in, in that space during that era had uh, co- early conversations with Kanye West about clothing to some extent. Kanye, obviously, you know, guest editor at Complex, a lot of stories about him coming through. Mm-hmm. Did you have any like early sneaker conversations with Kanye that you remember about him wanting to make footwear? Oh, sure. First time I met Kanye was through Coltrane Curtis. Okay. Shouts to Coltrane. Oh, yeah, shouts to like my brother from another mother, um, Coltrane Curtis, uh, who was one of the most important people in my professional journey, really uh, helped shape and, and stretch our creative ambition and really helped build so much inside of the organization. From always would push me in my pursuits. So when mm. I would bring up something like the magazines, like, yeah, you could definitely do it. The Coltrane was just like, you know, gave you that energy to say, you got to go for it. From that to video games, to to it, he was always supportive, no matter what I brought, what hair, brain scheme I would bring to him. He, I, I could always have a creative volley with him to stretch the idea and him not like be cynical about it. Mm. But uh, I did a, a, a fashion show in Bryan Park forget what show it was i think it might have been my dreamnasium show he con he 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 was helping bring people to the show like talent and seating the the first couple rows and i remember right after the show him making the introduction to me and it just was like oh who's this plain guy you know here's i want you to meet Kanye west and you know he's produced he's produced a bunch of records for jay-z you know and that's how he was introduced and I remember him just 
like tunnel vision. <laughs> mm. Like the other people, you give them a pound, yeah. dap you up, cool, cool, cool. He just was like, how do you do this? You know, and every <laughs> time I had an interface with Kanye, it was always like that. I remember years later at um, E3, when I was launching Getting Up um, in uh, LA at the E3 video game convention, we had a booth outside and we were showing Getting Up. He just was there as a attendee. Mm-hmm. And our, uh, that, was, that was the first time I had a real deep connection with him. We walked the show together uh, um, and uh, just, you know, took it all in. And he was just, I remember, he's like, when you say you're going to make something, you actually do it. I remember him saying that to me and giving me props for that. And I've always appreciated that. So whenever he would express his desire to want to do stuff, it was a serious conversation. It was sort of like same energy of like, you can do it. Do you remember when you first saw his Nike Air Yeezy sneakers? Uh, yeah, I was at probably the complex offices. Yeah, complex, yeah. and we had the exclusive on those. Yeah, yeah. Uh, with they, I think they came in like they came with a NDA and like a bag hand delivered to the office. But yeah, we we were the exclusive kind of partner rolling those out. Not partner, but the the first. Kanye drop. The first time you saw real good photos was in Complex Magazine. I remember Bradley working on them. Yeah, I remember in our Chelsea offices, he would come in and hang out and actually design. Really? And I remember there was on the uh, fourth or fifth floor, there was this one war, we used to call it the war room, and it just was covered and paneled. It was a, like an ugly room, no mm. windows, in the interior of the building. And he would just post up, take an Ethernet, and he who I don't even know who he was potentially even there with. I want to say like, you know, maybe Don C or John Monopoly or yeah. and and uh uh I remember seeing drawings. He would have just drawings of shoes. Lots of running shoes, I remember. Mm-hmm. All color blocked and clearly influenced by, you know, sort of all of us, we, 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 we play in that common vernacular. It's like interesting. You look at like Virgil's Louis Vuitton trainer shoe, the basketball shoe, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm. What is that but not – I know it's going to sound crazy, but what the old Troop shoe was. Mm-hmm. Remember Troop? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. Troop yeah. was, what's interesting about Troop, Troop was like this weird stepchild of a brand. Like, I don't mm-hmm. know the genesis of how it got made, who was behind. I don't know. None of that matters. What mattered was the design vernacular for me, right? Mm-hmm. And here was, was it like, it's one part Fila. It's one part Adidas rivalry. Yeah. All these extra components, not constrained by any team colorway. Like, it, imat- like it, it, could, it could color itself in colors that weren't necessarily uh, of a team nature. Borrowing from high, like, from Gucci, like, I remember the mm-hmm. tongue label was like this all heraldry and, you know, gold, you know, regal, right? And, you know, rolling, you know, and the, and it's, it was kind of ugly. I mean, but there's something beautiful in the ugliness, you mm-hmm. know? Mm-hmm. And because it was not constrained in its design. Yeah. So, you know, you look at like uh, an LV trainer. And it's sort of like that, it's come full circle, but now it's actually finally done at the level of finish 
mm. and deference for the making, the composition, right? Like for end to end, like how it was labored, right? How it was crafted. And it says like, respect my design, mm -hmm. right? But it, that journey to have to go from before, like all, like, so I'm saying all of, all of us are connected. We're all connected. You get, when you zoom out what this, this, this sort of cohort of entrepreneurs, men and women, some owners, some just hard workers, you, you know, the, uh, collaborators, what we did to sort of reshape and recontour the industry and, and change the parameters of what luxury means and who gets to play in that space, right, is just so powerful, so powerful. And it all came from like being a bunch of doofuses that were just geeking out on like, you know, are those Converse weapons? You know, yeah. are those... Mm -hmm. You know, are those those spot built? What was the uh, the Xavier McDaniel? Yeah. What were, what were those called? The Express Highs, mm -hmm, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know, like like that. It didn't even make sense from a design point of view. It yeah. was like it, it, they marketed yeah. it as performance. There's no performance. It just looked like a fucking spaceship, you know, right? It yeah. looked like it landed. Yeah. On, like you know what yeah. I mean? It was it was like some, you know. Japanese mech, like robot, blah, 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 you know, like yeah. is, is the illest. One of my biggest regrets, I was telling these guys before you got on, there was a Vans vault party downtown one night and Kanye, I went to the Vans vault party. It was like in some basement grungy thing. And I'm getting text messages. Kanye's at the office. Him and consequence came through to your office and like had like a makeshift performance. And I was the biggest Kanye stand. I remember he had the good music baby t-shirt. If you go back to it, the, the first good music logo yeah. was, was the baby. And I remember, wait, Kanye's at Mark Echo's office right now. And he would just pop up another time. I remember he popped up in the Christopher Bevins jacket. Do you remember those jackets? Yes. Christopher Bevins, who you worked with, yes. Kanye had like this one of one Christopher Bevins jacket. And I just remember walking past just a glimpse of kanye but yeah his office visits always were were a special day for sure yeah everybody was pursuing you didn't know it at the time you thought it was just as simple as like oh we're trying to just you know make atoms you, mm -hmm. you know we're making stuff yeah you know we're making objects well there was so much more than that that was going on really it was really uh but we did we couldn't articulate it that way I don't think maybe it was like a guttural thing, but, um, those, those were, those were great times. And you, you know, um, it's, it's interesting how the business has changed now, the, the dynamics of the business, you know, and opportunities or where they are and where they lack in the market and just all the disruptions with e-commerce and, and retail. It's, um, you know, there's a lot of hopefully, fledgling entrepreneurs or or someone who's got an itch to design listening to this that um uh, you know pursues those opportunities despite it it being seeming hard you know it's only as hard as uh you believe it is mark i want to talk to about just how big the echo empire was at the time because if i recall correctly g-unit clothing was also a part 
of Echo and, and, and G-Unit had that big Reebok deal. Did you touch that at all? Were you involved at all in this massive deal between G-Unit no. and Reebok to make sneakers? No. In fact, it was very much to their credit. Um, uh, uh, that was very much, um, they had that sort of premeditated Okay. Uh, and they had figured out to rest in peace, uh, um, Chris Lighty. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I remember that was a part of what gave them sort of the, made them feel bullish in the market. They had this sort of amazing sort of one, two, three, four knockout punches that were coming into the market between. Just like with the music, right? Yeah. Like it was, it was totally. Uh, it was totally a calculated four four dimensional chess they were playing, and so when we did our deal, it was the focus was just on apparel. Mm-hmm. I think men's and women's apparel, not and and then we helped get them into kids' apparel. Right, we we sort of like used our same infrastructure licensing relationships that we had to scale them up very quick. It was it was explosive growth. You know, you rewind back to that. Coltrane was in there. A guy named Matt Fontana, um, who was working in my marketing my marketing group, who was a very very shrewd uh, marketer, was in the midst of that, and just did th- that. It happened from, funny enough, it happened from fifty just being at an Echo shoot, like a, a pro- like in an Echo ad, and him sort of saying like, one day I'm going to have my own clothing company. It was just really like it was like that. I remember being in South River before we fully moved because we kept the South River office. And I would kind of, since I lived in Jersey, I would do, let's say, two days in Jersey, three days in New York. And I remember Lighty coming to the offices and uh, James Cruz, you know, coming, coming through the South River offices, seeing our infrastructure, seeing, you know, sharing. And we all just, we just, you know, hitched up and like, let's, let's do it. Let's do this. Mark, you amazing, that was an amazing ride. I mean, it, it was kind of, it really represents about this much time. I have to be honest. Cause at that time in, in my life, in my career, it was just going so fast. I mean, it was like, I don't know that there was a track under the caboose, you know, like we were just, we were rolling <laughs> crazy. So, so just 50 on TRL with the Echo Clothing G-Unit T-shirts. It yeah. was time. It was amazing. Yeah. I always loved interfacing with him. I always yeah. had great experiences interfacing. I have a lot of respect for how, like I said, it, it's four-dimensional chess. He was a planner. Mm. He, he portrayed this spontaneous thing, but a guy knew what he was doing. Mark, you ended up also acquiring uh, Zoo York, you know, legendary yeah. New York. Uh, skate brand early on they ended up doing a nike sb collab uh, was that something that you were involved in at all i know that was like right around the the time frame of you it was around the same window yeah it was yeah. around the same window um no to their credit and to eli and rodney uh the fa- original founders those were their relationships and uh much like echo in its early days they reminded me a lot of uh, the similar kind of distribution strategies where there was a lot of dependency on 
Japanese distributors, German distributors to sort of really make up the composition of their, their business. And those were those early Nike SB days. And they were just in that flow. Uh, and I remember uh, those, those they were like kind of like a tobacco topi. Yep. Remind me a lot of the same colorway as the Travis Scott uh, mm. Jordan, right? And a lot of color, yep. like, like from a palette point of view. Totally. Yep. Uh, yeah, that was an interesting time. People were obsessed with that silhouette of shoe. Did you fall into that rabbit hole, Mark? Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. You had every SB? I had, uh, yeah, I, I it, you know, it was like, it was like an understood thing between all my marketing team knew that they had permission as long as to, on the credit card, as long as they brought back size, you know, size 11 and a half. They were buying SBs on the company car for you, Mark? Oh, yeah, man. Oh, yeah. Just yeah, on yeah. go. Business Just experience. on go. Yeah, yeah. It was like, who could bring back the wild shit for, for me? And my office I, I was like, it was like some Kubrick shit. I had my office built where it was like a bowling alley. I sit, mm, And I sat yeah. at the end. And I had these glass paneled walls in South River, right and left. M- Matt Fontana helped me design it. And I would go to, you know, these are the years when, man, you'd go, I would go into, uh, or into Hong Kong and into Japan, uh, South Korea. Uh, and those years were as influential to me and were really shaping my point of view on like, on, on style. Mm-hmm. I really, I, I think you have to give a lot of credit to what, um, the vinyl art movement did like the vinyl toy art, like Michael Lau, mm. yeah. the, Gard- mm-hmm. the Gardner action figures had his own Nike SB too. Yeah. I mean, the, that had a major influence on sort of us seeing ourselves as art, like, and seeing the shoe as art, mm-hmm. like, m- like the idea of the toy as art sort of trafficking in all of this nostalgia, right? Like, the nostalgia of the hero worship of basketball, Michael Jordan, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, the nostalgia of like GI Joe toys, which you know I don't really remember playing with, but I remember the adver- advertisements, you know. Yeah. Um, the nostalgia, and, and and but like portraying it as art, you know, and like portraying the figures in the scene, the people. The, the mm-hmm. actors as as as, as like figures the, as figures <laughs> yeah and and there was something kind of magical about that and i kind of just saw myself in all of that and i wanted to be a part of that and you know when you asked about the complex how complex came to be i have to give that that's a i got to put a special sort of pin in that part of the history um because popeye magazine you know um magazines that like you know would do all these obsessive sort of encyclopedic uh overview of like you know levi's or champion right. sweatshirts it's you, almost like, like a catalog was, just an archive yeah, that that was a big influence that was a big influence on on complex huge influence in, in my model talking about your office you had the i remember you had the black and red in the glass case was there anything special about that one the black, the black and, and red jordan one mm, not really that special 
Okay. No, no, I, no. I thought maybe it was a gift or something, but I remember always seeing that. I, I can't like, ever, you know, I, 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 you know, I actually found that in a case. It was cleaning up a couple years ago. I was like, this is not that special of a relief. <laughs> I thought MJ <laughs> to, to, to you personally. Oh, like, this shit might have come straight up from like you know. The locker, the foot locker. <laughs> the 34th <laughs> Street foot locker? <laughs> nothing wrong with that. No, nothing at all wrong with that. Are you kidding me? Yeah. Nothing, zero wrong with that. Mark, fun, funny story. Um, the first time I actually met you was at the 23rd Street office of where, where you had to go up the elevator shaft and there was like a, a passcode to get into the into the doors, like a number. I was an intern at the time, um, and I had forgotten the the pass the, the the number code. So I'm waiting for someone to come in and let me in through the buzzer, or whatever that I that I had recognized. And out comes Mark Echo. So it's my whole like uh, Devil Wears Prada moment where I'm like, oh shit! Like, and and uh, the funny part about it is, is how you approached me. You're like, who are you here to see? It was like very serious, and I was like, oh, "I'm here to see Gian, who was the style editor at the time." And you're like, "Okay, okay." And then you just look me dead in the eyes and say, "Don't steal any of my shit." And then, <laughs> yeah. and then, and then just walked on because I guess you had had like cause print like stolen from your office by I like did. some some uh, undercover sort of you know. Oh, Louis BTM, right? Yeah, who the kid was that actually stole it? I, I don't know, but I have a photo of him. Yeah, I've had some shit stolen. You know, like I was, it was another thing. Like I would display really good art and just like, because it was, it was like for the, the, the family, for the people, you know? Yeah. And I yeah. wasn't, I wasn't like, we put it in like hallways to bathrooms and, you mm-hmm. know, like it was in like general areas. But um, yeah, there was a, a, a piece that, um, in fact, sat right in front of the foyer uh, or a little egress between the, the, the men's and women's bathrooms on, mm-hmm. on the floor where yep. my office was. And um, I guess he came in there some, somehow, probably was let in by someone at Complex or from Echo. We, we don't know for sure. Um, and broke the glass, took the print. And it was um, Kate Moss. Kate Moss, yeah. bust, uh, it's like a bus yeah. uh, kiosk um, sign, uh, and it was painted on the inverted side. Like Cause would, you know, Brian would like turn it inside out and then illustrate on top of it like one of his sperm, you know, skull yeah. characters. So this was early, early days, uh, and he would go and I guess change the locks or something on these bus, these these bus kiosks. Mm-hmm. And it was yeah. one of the prints, and I actually got it from an auction. It was a fundraising auction, I think. Um, uh, and Alan Kett actually helped me procure it, um, if I recall properly. But uh, yeah, it was gone. And what the fuck, right? Mm. So I'm like, I asked security guy, I'm like, get me footage. Is there any footage? There's got to be footage. And sure enough, there's this footage of this kid. I forget who the kid was that was like a graffiti artist, but he had, it looked like a Beastie Boys video. It looked like sabotage. And like, I thought mm-hmm. it was like a put yeah. on, you know, this picture of him, like looking up at the security yes. camera, yes. holding the poster 
in almost know, winking uh, right it and was he had, soon, a, he had yeah. a mustache so maybe wealthy did you have a mustache back then maybe there was no, a little uh, no, yeah no, no, he no, had a wealthy mustache yeah exactly yeah, that's yeah. why maybe that's why maybe no, it was more uh, like brandon's mustache it was like, <laughs> <laughs> i'm not down with btm don't put me in there all right so so um yeah i was pissed yeah and then people thought it was a stunt they thought i did it right like for attention but you were known. You you did. You were doing some stunts back in the day that maybe people thought, yeah. But this was different. I remember looking not, at that. This was not a stunt. This no, someone not at all. In and took. I felt violated, and um, so I put. I posted. It's probably one of the only things I ever posted to Facebook. I don't even know how to use Facebook. <laughs> and it was by recommendation of like my my communications guy to post the image. So maybe that would drum up some awareness to smoke out where the piece is. And sure enough, that helped because in the mail, it, it, it got shipped back to me, returned. You recovered it? Oh, yeah. Yeah, he got it back. I remember that. Yeah. Mark, was was Cause a contemporary of yours? You guys are around the same age, came up in Jersey. Did, did you see each other a lot in, in the 90s? Not really. Um, I think uh, I always thought of him coming into the space a little bit after I was in there, uh, mm -hmm. but I, I can't d definitively say that. I, in terms of his notoriety, seemed to be um, rising uh, later on. Mm -hmm. uh, but again, I I I, I, I can't. I, I haven't put a Venn. I haven't overlaid a Venn diagram. Yeah. When I did getting up, um, he was one of the, the first people I wanted to talk to about about it and wanted to get him involved in some capacity and, uh, and, and he lent his art to it. He was very generous. A lot of artists, Futura, um, uh, Shepard Ferry, you know, um, all the OGs, you know, Stash. you know, is the whiz cope, um, you know, all, all the OGs. Um, so, that was a super dope experience. Mark, let's get to 2016. You know, I, we, we have limited time, but we have to talk 2016 moonshot. You know, I heard the I heard the term moonshot being thrown around the office and I didn't even know what it means. And it was like, just big idea, big ideas. And, and you were pushing us to do that. You were pushing us, think really big ideas, which you kind of done throughout your career. And 2016 Complex Con, yeah. the first complex con let's let's get into complex con before we go and how you thought about that and and those first years and it, it's such a successful brand and, and man i just remember walking the floor with you before it started and i was like i can't believe this fucking happened i can't yeah. believe this i was fucking very happened. emotional i remember that I re yes me and you walking i remember yeah. i was like how I mean, like crying emotion. Yes, yes. Me, I, I didn't want to say. I, it, but yes, yeah, you could say it. I don't. Yeah. I'm not afraid to cry. No, I, I, I loved it. I remember, like, just looking at you and being like, "How the fuck did this I was happen?" And, and down. You were crying. I remember, yeah. like, breaking, walking around, yep. and it was like, like I didn't even give a fuck that I mm -hmm. was like, like, <laughs> you know, boogies <laughs> and tears, huffing. Right. People are looking at me like, "What the fuck is wrong with him?" And. My wife came and saw me. She's like, "Calm down, calm down." <laughs> it's like I can't believe we actually pulled this shit off. You know? Crazy, you know. So talk about that and 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 the response to it and like seeing the the youth culture turn out and the concert and and the drops those first years. Oh man, it was such a such a uh, special. It was a community effort. It was really 
the again you have to start backwards from past squinting right so mm-hmm. you got to get past squinting i got to take that blurry image make it concrete so we put together a, a video and i obsessively worked on that video in like a closet somewhere in the office and it, it was like my lab and a lot of this was persuading people to see it yeah internally because it's true it was so out of our comfort zone and that's one of the things about the the business that's really that was hard particularly hard at complex but beautiful because the organization is has a a tremendous amount of elasticity and um capacity to want to sort of stretch itself uh or at least when pushed stretch um and go along with it you know some organizations become so incalcitrant and bureaucratic uh i think any anything with more than 10 people mm, does totally it doesn't matter what it is uh, if it's a if it's a team of uh you know <laughs> a basketball team or if it's a uh, a doctor's office or a magazine or uh, uh, so a lot of it was just about persuading folks to see the potential opportunity like i said we're always com- we're just completing our history like there's a the, when i see our um, the, the the royal us the, the 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 folks that have really come up with beauty and an intent of uh love and creation in their hearts to want to make something from nothing, to want to elevate what we have uh, as a collective together to create more um, gravity for ourselves, more of a centeredness, uh, and and to celebrate each other. It's not competing. It's, I, I it, you know, like yes, competition is a real thing, but I I have love in my heart for someone else that's doing something I aspire to do better than I do. It's like it's why I like being around people that are that I feel that are smarter than me, right? That 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 complement a blind spot I might have, or help me overcome a blind spot, or you know, bat- it, it, so I really approached Complex Con as like a love festival. Mm-hmm. I really did, mm-hmm. and at that time in my life too, I was, and I still remain very spiritual, right? So like mm-hmm. I was really channeling the need for us across brands as creators inside of big industry. If you were inside of Nike, Adidas, mm-hmm. whatever, like to come together. Now, if we rewind to that time, the background politics, there was a lot of really bad, uh, obviously state sanctioned violence against black folks happening in the universe. Uh, uh, and certainly in America, and that was, and we were in a political cycle, ironically, it was before the last election cycle. Mm-hmm. So that was sort of in the ether and this, this desire to want to bring everyone together. Some cynically would say, well, it's just like a mall, right? It was just like, a, but you know, these are people making stuff, mm-hmm. independent creators with headwinds of e-commerce, headwinds of, of a fractured media ecosystem, but like-minded. How do we get everyone together? How do we show the power of this community of people, the diversity, the strength in it, right? And how do we treat it with the sort of deference and elevate it that 
the same community in, in the valley, in Silicon Valley, would um, um, amongst themselves as creators. Or mm-hmm. the, 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 the music elite would at, at a South by Southwest, right? Yeah. Like, what yeah. allows, gives them permission to do that and not us, right? And that was my, that was my thinking, you know? And I can't, that, was the, that, was, that was the pitch I would give. That's, that was my intention. That's where my heart was. I wanted to make something special for people. I wanted to create access, wanted to put information out there. Having come up going to, even though I didn't get as much out of it, uh, but coming up and going early on to one of my first experiences with Jack the Rapper in it, you know, you know, driving down to Atlanta, Georgia, you know, from New Jersey with my friends, you know, to, to show my first trade show was at the, the basement floor of the Peachtree Hilton or whatever the fuck it was, you know, mm-hmm. in Atlanta, uh, airbrushing, you know, with, with Tupac walking by, like mm-hmm. that was the, I wanted to bring that energy you know um and we did it and it was a we it was a we thing and i attribute the success to a selflessness you really had to kind of like check your humility at the door to pull the thing off you know like getting pharrell involved was i i from from forever grateful to him and i love him dearly and his whole team uh robbie wells and uh, Alex de Persia and um, all all the uh, amazing people in his orbit, his wife, uh, um, his mom, that were so you know uh, his his management, Ron, they they were just so um, they're great partners. Yeah. You know they're great, and Takashi w- brought yeah. energy. Yeah, definitely. You know Takashi, and it was just man, you know like like that alchemy. You know, when you write a business plan, you gotta think about the alchemy of the of the characters, man. Like, like the alchemy that, like, there's the okay, there's the plan, there's mm-hmm. the X's and O's, the blocking and tackling that you could see within the boxes in the spreadsheet, and then there's that stuff that's in between the boxes that you don't, you, you have, that stuff matters. Yeah. You know, and it's really hard to. It was one of those things where God, the universe, people's egos were at a place where they were able to check that. Out. Like everyone came together. This is before Virgil was signed to, you know, LV, mm-hmm. you know, and, but like those guys were lead. They were the shepherds. They were the leading. They were, they were like, it was for them. Yeah. It wasn't for us. It wasn't for us. And it was for the audience. Mm-hmm. I, I feel like, that that's what it should be, and 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 will uh, I will never soon forget those amazing uh, experiences. It was a real blessing, and then to see it all come together. Like I remember walking the floor with you and Cuddy, yes, and Noah, yes. That was crazy. We were worried yeah. for Cuddy, you know. I know like, security. It was crazy. We had to get security, and it was man, what a great great memory before we go one of the things i just wanted to ask you uh actually another person who did make an appearance at complex con uh kobe bryant but you did a 2009 mm. cover story uh video and um you know i can't interview. find that video you know you, you i saw the it video the video is down we actually i had to go on the Wayback machine on the internet and type in the url and 
find if the old complex dot uh, com background came up in the video really? come up or no? No, the, vi- the, the video is off the internet. The we'll find it. We gotta find that. We gotta find that video. I love it. You, you end up you end up talking first. You asked uh, Kobe to have a push up contest with you. He won't. He won't do it. And then and then you uh, you end up talking to him a lot about his um his uh first signature, or not his first signature. Sorry, the Kobe four. Yeah. On Nike. His first low top shoe. Do you remember that? Yeah. Well, first of all, I want to shout out Noah uh, for making that happen, allowing that mm-hmm. to happen. He was very generous uh, with that because I was always sensitive. Like I wanted to figure out ways to intersect, create a mm-hmm. vector that intersected with the magazine, but not to uh, be so overbearing mm-hmm. where I would squelch any of the creative ambition of the editorial team Mm -hmm. and that was always a delicate thing to balance and noah uh and rich uh um gave me the space for opportunities like that and when i would express interest in wanting to do something collaborative they're like sure and they would work with me and and so first i want to give i want to hold space for that i think that that's important um that was a great uh experience um Kobe was someone who was, uh, and the editorial insight from Noah and team at the time was this sort of like, you know, there was a slight like, Kobe, people forget, like, or people maybe don't forget, but like, he wasn't liked. People mm-hmm. hated on him. They were like, mm-hmm. they, just really, they were like Fugazi, like, he, mm-hmm. you know, like, they were just not nice. Uh, and, um, I felt felt that he really was a real guy that day and was vulnerable. And um, I think I was in like a weird fitness kick. And because I'm not good on camera, I had like some nervous fit of energy where I was like, oh, let's do a push-up cut, like some stupid thing. Like, let me just embarrass myself. Maybe that'll maybe make him like me. But he would, he didn't need any of that. And I remember him talking about, um, I remember asking him what keeps him up at night. And I remember him talking about like having to like clean up the dog shit in his house. The, the, the quote is amazing. The quote mm. is amazing. <laughs> he, he's like, dog shit. I hate dog shit. And there's like two paragraphs. Kobe Bryant talking about his disdain for German shepherd shit in his yard. Yeah, I've got two dogs. He, he's talking about his German shepherds. That's right. And, and I've got two. And sometimes I'll, I'll babysit my friend's dog. So I'll, sometimes I'll have up to four. So I know what the fuck he means. You know, like you've got like a fully functioning house with infrastructure kids teenagers that should be cleaning the shit up that don't and then somehow dad's out there with the pooper scooper mm. and there's a lot of days where i'm like you know what, what the fuck i hate to, but you know what that just brought him down to like oh mm. he's like us here's yeah. the, i got i got to give you the quote i got to give you the quote mark because i have it here kobe kobe so you said you asked Kobe, you said, talk to me about a private failure that wasn't in the headlines, a thing that just keeps you up at night, something people can relate to. Not necessarily a public thing, but a thing you twist and turn over. And Kobe Bryant says back to you, it's a 2009 complex cover story, dog shit. Like, I hate dog shit. I have a dog and I do not clean the crap outside. It's a phobia. It drives me crazy. You wake up in the morning and you think, damn, this big old German shepherd probably just took a crap outside in the yard and I got to wake up and pick it up. That is something that keeps me tossing and turning. <laughs> oh, <God. laughs> he went on. I remember he also talked about he admitted to um, injury and he would talk about plantar fasciitis. He talked mm-hmm. about yep. plantar fasciitis and mm-hmm. just waking up and being tight and like feeling like, and you just got to like go. 
feeling like dog right, shit. Yeah, I had good years ahead of him after that. So yeah. God bless him, man. Rest in peace. Mark, thank you so much for giving us your time. You know, thank you. I say it a lot, but we're going to need a definitely need a part two. We, we only scratched the surface and, uh, Oh no, come on. Yeah. Yeah. We're, we're going to, we're, we're definitely going to, um, need to catch up, but it was great seeing you great hearing your stories and, uh, so close to you, but hearing the history, always a pleasure. Well, thank you for giving me holding the space and reaching out for me to, to be a part of it and get me uh, out of my dustbin and, you know, brushing me off. That's always nice. I appreciate that. Nice to, to see you gentlemen and, and yeah. Jasmine and David, thank you. Um, and I hope people enjoy this. God bless you. Definitely, all. man. Miss thank you, you Mark. Hope to yeah. talk to you soon. See you Thanks, soon. Mark. Yeah, hope to see you teary-eyed in the floor of Complex Gone sometime oh, we in the will, future. My friend. We will. Yes, definitely. <laughs> Next time, gents. Our producer is Dave Matthews. Our associate producer is Jasmine Plata. Sound engineering done by Kyle Garvey. Special thanks to Jennifer Stewart and Shiva Bayet. The Complex Sneakers Podcast is a production of the Complex Podcast Network. deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.